Hi, and thank you for tuning in. You know, I don't know anybody doesn't have a hard time understanding what leadership is about. It has changed in the 21st century. And because it has changed, you know, there's not a lot of information out there that pulls it all together so that you have the steps you need to be the best leader that you can. Leadership is all about influence. And this podcast is about helping you understand how to influence others and to build the collaborative team that provides you the inclusive high-performing workplace that you are looking for. Whether this is the first job you've had as a leader, whether you're an individual contributor, or you've been in leadership for 30 years, there is something for you on this particular podcast. It's called Remarkable Leadership Lessons, shared by Denise Cooper and her friends. And if you like, you can always go over to my website and pick up other gems that will help you become a remarkable leader. This is our sixth season. Can you believe this? Six seasons we've been going at this. We have over a hundred podcasts for your enjoyment. The purpose of this podcast has always been my desire for you to figure out what are the things that make you great? What are the things that make you remarkable? And all of us have that in us. We're all remarkable. But sometimes we just don't know it. Today is one of those days in which, as you know, I have special guests. I have Pam Brooks Richardson, and sometimes I have Debbie Snow. And between the three of us, we want to share with you our wisdom so that all the noise out there, all the to-dos and best experts, all of their wisdom is boiled down to something that is quite actionable for you so that you can step back and say, that I have done good. I have lived a good life. I have done well. Today, it's the beginning of the the year, okay? And one of the things we're all trying to figure out, or at least maybe most people are trying to figure out, is motivation. What motivates us? But here's, here's a couple of questions so you know whether this podcast is for you or not. Are there times when you're just kind of sitting back and you're just going, oh, God, I just can't get this done? Do other people tell you, wow, you get more things done in a few hours than I do all day long? How do you do it? Have there been times when people have told you you couldn't do it and then you got to turn around and go, oh, I got done? Motivation. It is an intrinsic, meaning inside kind of thing. But most of us do not know how to use it so that we are the most powerful person that we can be, that we actually are the person that we are meant to be. So today we're going to talk about it um, from a bit of a different side. So as you know, both Pam and I are in this business of motivating um, individuals. We like to call it inspiring because motivation is something that comes from inside, but inspiration comes from those who are around you. And you know, I always say, who's whispering in your ear? So What motivates you? What demotivates you? Those are the questions we're going to talk about today. Hey, Pam. Hey there, Denise. How are you? You doing well today? I am motivated. (laughs) (laughs) And you're going to inspire me to new heights. (laughs) Oh, I I love this topic. Um, As I know, we've talked about before, 
motivation goes way back to where I started studying people and what makes people tech and, and, you know, like you, why are some people motivated or not? And it really goes back to my early years of wanting to play volleyball in college. And I was one of those, maybe not quite so talented athletes, maybe some raw stuff in there, but I got to watch the U S Olympic team play in my hometown. And I don't know why I watched it. And I just was so inspired and said, I want to play like that. I just, I, it, it just, it hit me. And I was like, yes, I want to do that. And so from that point on, for me, it was like, anytime I could get in the gym, anytime I could find some place to go practice, anybody who could tell me more about my game, you know, all of that was just like, I love it. The interesting part for me, though, was that my high school coach didn't think I had the talent and mm. told me over and over, you don't you don't have what it takes. There's no way mentally, physically like, you, you no, you're, you're just not going to make it. And and for me, it's interesting because you think about motivation. It was very much internal motivation for me to want to do it. It wasn't inspired because my parents had never done it. My parents had never even went to college. I wasn't inspired because I had teammates that went, oh, God, you can do it. It was just something that I wanted to do. And so my, my, my high school coach telling me you can't almost became, I'm going to prove you wrong, but guess what? There's a part of me that's that very independent person that says, okay, don't tell me no, I'm going to find a way anyway. And usually I am more incentivized when somebody at that point tells me no, because I'm like, dang, I'm going to do it. But the interesting part for me too, was I actually had the opportunity to play with two high school teammates. Um, one was a year older and one was my same year. And when we went within the first year, both of my high school teammates were gone. Wow. And yeah. Yeah. Like it was a wow for me. Cause it's like, okay, I'm the one hanging. And both of them were the ones that had the accolades. They were the ones that were the all team and the, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. So it was this look back when I got to my senior year and I actually came in with five freshmen mm-hmm. and I was the only one that made it. And so I just was like, God, this is so hard when you see it. When when an athlete fails, they don't just, ah, I'm not going to play. Like it devastates their identity. I had players that quit and became drug addicts. I had players that became alcoholics. I had players that dropped out like nobody knew what happened for a while or became, Mm -hmm. I mean, it was a devastation for them not to succeed. So you look at this motivation and go, Ooh, what's wrong with this motivation? How are we not matching up the the potential and and with the outcomes? And so, you know, for me, when I look back at it and I actually got to talk to one of my high school teammates many, many years later, and she said, Pam, I've often wondered why you made it. And I didn't. Mm-hmm. And I we didn't, I didn't want to say anything. I'm like, yeah, I don't. And she said, Pam, she goes, one of the biggest reasons that I finally figured out some of it was you never got any accolades in high school. You never had extra pressure on your shoulder that you had to be the ones to succeed. You didn't have parents pushing you saying you had to succeed. You did it because you just wanted to. And I had this extra pressure of living up to expectations. And when those expectations were met, it was absolutely crushing. And so you could go in and go, I've made a hundred mistakes and it's okay. I go in and I make a hundred mistakes and I am a failure. So here's that other part of that motivation is as we go to set our goals or as we're looking at the things that we want to do, how are we setting those goals and where's the pressure to succeed those goals coming from? Right, right. 
external motivation, you know, because some external motivation is okay. Um, in the book, Get It Done, which actually is kind of really cool how it's written because it's like forget and it puits a line through the four, quit, Q-U-I-T, and the Q-U is crossed out and then undone, the U-N is crossed out. So it's instead of forget, quit, and undone, not succeeding, it's Get mm-hmm. It Done mm-hmm. um, by Elliot Fishback. And in it, they kind of talk about some of the science that's gone behind motivation and, and what is it that gets us going. And so goals should not be chores. They should be things that when we start to get them, we go, Ooh, God, I'm that much closer. I'm that much more excited. And not because someone else recognizes that excitement, but because we recognize it. Okay. So slow down here. There are, there are things that we get to do because I can, I can feel it in my body now. Right. Oh, wait a minute. There are just some things that you have to do. I mean, we work right every day. And there are some things at work you just have to do. You're not going to be motivated. You're not going to be inspired. You're not going to, but you got to get them done. And sometimes, you know, that's kind of the world we live in. It's we, we have our own personal goals. And I get what you're saying about the personal goals. And I think, you know, what Elliot say, is saying, along with a number of researchers, I've been looking at this, the, the shift that we're making or the evolution that we've been making in this science of inspiration and motivation, right? But there are just some things that we just have to do. And oftentimes we procrastinate on those things or we, it takes so much mental and physical spiritual energy to get through those things that it demotivates us to trying to get into other things, particularly if what we're trying to do is something that stretches us, you know, well, that was so hard. I don't know if I want to do that. So bring that down to real world. You know, I, I have to get up this morning. Okay. I wasn't really motivated to do that, but what is she saying about that? How is she, how is she moving that conversation forward? How do I break this down? Like you just made me think in like, like how did I break it down for myself? Cause I would tell you two a day sucked mm-hmm. <laughs> being mm-hmm. in a gym for eight, nine hours and trying to push through it is just like, oof. And what she'll say is you also have to create little micro focuses as well as having a very clear, larger something that you want to get to. Okay. And that all the, ins- that, that larger something that you want to get to is very real. It's very attainable mm-hmm. and you know what that is for you. And so the other things that you have to get through are just little things. So getting up early for me and going on my run. I hated it, but it's like, if I do it early in the morning and I get that part done, then I can get to the things that I enjoy. So I knew for me, there are some of those things that I don't like to do, but I just want to get them out of the way because then I know how much time I have to do the things that I want to do. It's really rearranging what you have to, what you have to think about doing. Right. Right. And so for me, I wanted to know all the time I had to get those other things. And that was my incentive. Like when I get this done, I get to go do those other things I want to do, Mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. That I can spend time and enjoyment on. And you even look at some of the companies now that have created motivation by giving an employee one day per week to do whatever it is they want. So they know they've got to get everything else done during the other days of the week. So that day they can do the things that inspire them. Right. And so how do we, you know, figure out what those things are. Yeah, we have to get done and put those in a space so that we get those done before we do the things that we'd like to do. You know, and what that brings up is something, is something else that you often hear 
um, in it. It's about, you know, managing the time in your day, right? right? And really thinking about that managing of the day. So oftentimes, you know, they say, you know, know when you're on, right? What's your best part of the day? So like for me, sometime between two and seven is like the, that's the top of my I'm at the top of my game in those hours. I'm a little sluggish in the morning. I can get things done in the morning, but I'm really at the top of my game um, between like two and seven. And sometimes it even extends into one o'clock, especially if I'm doing something that I really, really, really love, which was why the morning gets to be, you know, kind of tenuous for me. So thinking about or extending exactly what you just said of, looking at my day and planning out when, when, when am I in my most high? Do you think, or is it saying that, you know, we need to kind of start with when we're in our, our key sweet spot and try to get through those things that we don't do so that we have enough time to get to the things that we don't. Cause sometimes if I can get through the things I don't like, it motivates me to work longer. Yeah. Well then think about it too, in the incentive. If I jump in and I do the things that I like, I have the dread in my head right. of the next things coming that I don't want to do. And you increase that unpleasantness at the same time that you're doing the thing you enjoy. So you actually don't enjoy the thing you like as much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so how do you create that space so that you can get through to something? And while you're doing that tough thing, you go, God, yep, I can, I can stick this out because when I get this done, I, I get to go do that other thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so yes, that's really important. Um, the other part they, she, she, they bring up is the intrinsic motivation and the fact, so this is an example of that, that we should have more fun doing what we're doing. And sometimes too, even doing the one thing that isn't pleasant, we can create little rewards for ourselves in getting it done as we go through that. And, you know, piggybacking on what you just said, it's also, what are we telling ourselves? Yes. About what we don't like to do and the intrinsic war reward. So if I keep thinking, if I know that the story in my head is, oh, my God, I dread doing this. Oh, I got to get this over with. It elongates the pain in my body. Yeah. Right. The pain and the procrastination of getting it done. Suddenly I've got all kinds of things. Oh, I could do this. Oh, this will be a little bit more fun. Oh, you know what? I really got to get this done. So I think you know, one of the first steps has to be, you know, we've talked about this before is what's the story in your head? Absolutely. How you define it is really going to say, because if I can define it as, oh, if I get this done, I can get to do these things or, you know, I can do this stuff. Okay. Got to do it. Let me move on. But if I I dread it. Coach tell me when I was getting ready to go to college, as they said, you have to learn to love the practices. And I just looked at him like, what is he talking about? I have to learn to love the practices. And so it was one of those, it's like, explain to me more. Why, what, where are you coming from? And he said, you will spend more time in practice than you do in a game. Mm. And if all you live for is the game, you're not going to succeed. And so it was one of those like, Oh, and so it's that ability then to go into the practice with little nuggets of things like I love the game, but to be better at the game, I knew there were certain things I needed to conquer and my place to conquer them was practice. So when I could conquer them and practice and go, woohoo, I did it. Like I enjoyed practice because mm-hmm. I'm making little wins in the mm-hmm. thing that is very difficult or usually not as fun. 
And so then you get to game time and it's even better because it's like, yeah, I mastered that. I mean, you can see it in the game and you go, woo, like, yeah. yeah. So the game becomes the end result, not the only result that you're judging yourself by. And so that's the same thing when we start looking at those little things. What is the story that we're telling ourselves about the little things that if we can incrementally get better at them or more efficient at them, then we spend less time doing them. It reminds me of last night I was on, why well, I stay up all night. Um, I was in a, a, a practice class, right? So you and I've talked offline about I'm in this year long program to up my game and being a coach and being able to be a great um, community or at least workplace culture, you know, person, person who can grow, build great cultures. And one of the things that um, we were talking about, because it's people all over the world, and the and some of them are some of the women on in the group last night. Of course, they've got little bitty ones and trying to figure out how to stay motivated, how to use the practice, et cetera. And one of the things that we talked about, the question was, is how do you balance right effort? How are you focused on right effort out of this? Um, and it was about the balance of right effort. But I don't think of balance. I think about integration. And how do you integrate all the things you have to do in a way that from a big picture, you get things done. And I think that's what you're talking about. It's not about trying to balance or get better or anything like that, because whatever it is, what we're trying to achieve is only a small part of our life. Unless, of course, you're an athlete where it probably is, you know, 60, 70 percent of your life. But for the most of us, all of the things that we're doing are part of a bigger picture. And I think sitting back and understanding, that was the big aha, I think, for everybody is integrating, because I always hated that work-life balance, all of that. And so I figured out, you know what, I have a full life. How do all these pieces come together? And where is it that I need to get better at? Or where is it that I love to do things? And how do I get how do I manage that particular part of my life, that time and the noise in my head and the noise, everybody else, that judgment that everybody else has given me that, you know, either you can do it or you can't do it because, you know, the other thing that people will say is never share your goals, which I think you said once before that in, at least from uh, Fishback's research or the book, that's not really a good idea, right? It's different. Um, when they talk about pursuing goals in the presence of others, it is when you have that inner circle person who knows what you really want to accomplish and they know who you are and they go, God, I'm here. And when you trip and fall, they pick you back up and go, God, that was tough. But guess what? I'm right here. Let's push you back out there and keep going. You're going to have your good days and bad days. And we're, we're in this together. We're going to make it to that end game. Mm -hmm. And that's different when you're sharing a goal with somebody, you know, that's kind of there to help get your back and is really going to support you. You know, your friend, close friends, maybe your family versus that person that goes out and announces to everybody, yeah, I'm going to lose 20 pounds. Woo! Like, no, sometimes in that case, actually stating whatever it is that your goal is, it's like, oh, I've stated the goal. Like you got a little endorphin for doing that in front of a lot of people, which doesn't really help you get there. Mm. that's looking to get that external motivation. A um, couple other things I want to point out, because, you know, we've, I've done work with assessments. There is one group, one of the assessments we've worked with that we call passions. Mm -hmm. And 
it looks at seven core areas of things that over the course of time that we've done. And I want to say those things that incentivize us, they give us rushes. Like we were successful at it. We got rewarded for being successful somehow that led to certain things. And when we set goals within our passion and we get fulfillment of those passions along with the goal that we're doing, awesome. But if we start setting goals that are counter to what it is that drives us, that's when we go, oh God, that was really sucky. And I I didn't get that extra Mm -hmm. something out of it. The other thing I go back to is when we understand, we've talked about DISC before, the basic motivation of looking at what behavior, emotion, behavior, and response to things are, that also affects goal setting and how we go to attain it. You know, when we look at people that are very externally task driven, if they don't see an external task reward for, I did this and I got a reward, they're Mm -hmm. done. They're going to quit really quick. You look at people that are more externally people driven. They have to accomplish whatever they're doing in a team of people. They will not do it in isolation. So in that case, yeah, they're incentivized to be with others, to talk right. to others, to do whatever, right? right. They have to. You know, you look at the core S person and yeah, they 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 want to know that they can plan out, okay, my success looks like. They'll be the one that'll be really organized and they're going to do stuff. They quietly will have difficulties if people go, you're not going to get it that way. Like you got to, they, they might have a hard time shifting. Like I'm going right. to go to this track and here's what I'm doing. And they may be the ones that have a hard time getting the, the feedback to say, you've got to change how you're going to do to get to that end game. Which is why good questioning is so important. Exactly. And then you've got others that are the high compliant. And when you look at them, they have to follow the rule. They want right. to know that there's rules. And if I follow this set of something that I'm going to get what I want because I followed this trajectory, Right. They also can be the ones that can create too much fear factor when they start being too perfectionistic and Mm -hmm. then And so it's important to understand some of those other layers of what is it that motivates us and what gets us going, even with what we know from research about Mm -hmm. general things that we know about people and what motivates Mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. And so it's, uh, yeah, that's the fun is how do we unpack certain layers to go, this would be really motivating for this person, but maybe not so much for that person. And then right. how do we adjust that so that both of them can accomplish, so to, so to speak, the same thing? Yeah. And I, I think that's the, the, you know, you and I have had, we've done other podcasts about, you know, be careful who gives you feedback and particularly in using assessments, right? So for those of you who might be new listeners, it, um, it wasn't until I met Pam and I've been in the people development and organizational development, HR, that kind of thing for only, I, I only admit to 25 years, but because after that, it's totally irrelevant, right? But I didn't believe in assessments, not because of now, now looking back, I can say I didn't believe in them, not because some of the assessments weren't good, but the people who were giving me feedback were not skilled enough. They hadn't done the work themselves to be able to 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 help you reframe what's in your head, the story you tell in your head and the reaction your body has from when you hear the story, when you live the story and how that creates either tension and resistance or it propels you towards the goals that you want to do. And so, yes, you know, there's, you know, you and I've had off offline conversations about the proliferation of everybody's giving out assessments, everybody's doing it. 
which is not the assessment itself, but it definitely is, has the person who is giving you the feedback done the inner work to be able to help you do your inner work about this and how to pull it together in a real world situation so that you can actually use the information in the most useful, the most um, positive way that you that's that's possible for you and help you get over because you know changes at high go high oh yeah i'm excited 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 oh i love it and then it goes down oh wait a minute when, when is the end oh when what's coming up and then you come back up and then there's that plateau just before you get you know it's like the 20 yards yeah. before you get to the end so understanding how motivation, you know, our passions, the passions report that we use, the disc report we use, and um, the judgment report. How do I make decisions? What's that story in my head? Oh, and especially on the internal side of that judgment yes. report, where we understand, do we really understand our strengths and limits? Because yeah. that's goal setting. You know, like my friend said, I goal setting for me was like, okay, I'm going to conquer this little thing and conquer that little thing where she was like, I've got to do this huge thing. And I've got to do that huge thing. Right. Like, I knew what I was setting my goal for. I was going to succeed at because I was setting things within my range of understanding. Yeah. You know, also that understanding of what our job is. I have been working with a couple of companies now that, you know, they've changed their hierarchy from islands to matrix, or there's been a merger and acquisition. And so a person's job has totally changed. And so what does that look like? And how does the person remotivate themselves? Because I did the job initially because of this, and this is happening in higher education as well. Right, right. Like this was my job. And now post COVID, this is my job. And it's like, I'm not doing what I love anymore. And they don't, they don't understand because they haven't broke it down to go, God, this is why. Mm -hmm. And so they implode on themselves in that process because I don't like my role and I'm being unsuccessful and blah, blah, blah. But if they can look at it and go, okay, here's what I like about my job. Here's what I didn't, what I don't like about my job. And so I think this is also leading to that great resignation Mm -hmm. that's somewhat out there because people are going, I'm just not incentivized. I'm not getting the reward that I get for my job. But instead of looking and trying to figure out how do I find new reward or how do I get whatever it's like, well, I've got to, do my job because I need my paycheck and then it becomes mundane and, and I'm not getting that sense of reward anymore. So let's take like teachers and whatnot, you know, before we did teaching and we, and, and learning with children or people one way, then COVID hit. And now we have to do it a whole different way. It wasn't that we didn't say that technology was going to start infiltrating and taking over what learning was, but the shock of it and us not having someone who was helping us think through and reframe our identity against the work that we're doing. I think that's what happens. And that's what, you know, when the mergers and acquisitions happen, you know, that first three to six months is when, you know, we have issues of who am I in this? Because I knew who I was in the old job, in the old company. It's the same when you get a new boss. You know, if you've been in your role for a while, you got a new boss, you've got to reframe the relationship again. And sometimes, and because they don't know you and you haven't done the work, you don't have that inner circle that you mentioned before to help you reframe where, how this is going to be. It's not a reflection of you, the environment changed. And so how do you meet that? And that you have the capabilities of reframing and getting your um, inspiration, motivation back out of doing that. That's what I think is the hardest part. 
as we keep changing, because, you know, now change is coming faster and faster and faster and faster. And because it's becoming faster and faster and faster. And that's why it's so important to do the work to know yourself. Yeah. To know what is it that gets me going? What what are my areas of strength that I enjoy? Because that's the other thing. I know Marcus Buckingham in one of his talks was great. He goes, you know, there are things that I'm really good at. Mm-hmm. But I don't like to do them. Yeah. And, if I, and that that's literally why he backed out for a while. He had been doing all this stuff and he was good at it, but he did enjoy it. And he said, I just didn't want to get out of bed in the morning anymore. Yeah. And it took him a lot of soul searching for him to discover that just because he's good at it doesn't mean that that's what he has to do. Right. And so then he went back again. What is it that really motivates me? What is it that, that my passion is in? that is also in an area that I've got some strength because when I do that, I feel good. Time passes and I don't even think about it. You know, I, I could spend hours doing certain things. My husband gets mad at me when I'm in a motivated mode because it's like, honey, you <laughs> lock yourself in your office. And I'm like, I did. <laughs> I didn't think I was locked anywhere, man. I was in my sweet space. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. And, so and so that's that other part. You've got it, you've got to know yourself and you've got, you know, to understand. I think one of the greatest discoveries too, for me, because we, we've talked about even Brene's work in, in, you know, the dare to lead and especially her new book, Atlas of the heart is dissonance. And I was like, dissonance is the opposite of integrity. And this is something that I don't know why I didn't know it before or why it never hit me as hard, but it was one of those that when we are, when we have a concept of who we are or what we want to be, and we're operating and moving in a direction that we can do that, that's integrity. I'm living into my values. I'm living into my passions. I'm living into who I really feel that I am. And when we don't, we have a state of dissonance and uneasiness and this kind of yucky feeling that overtakes Mm -hmm. us. But what's interesting is dissonance isn't like other emotions. Anger, I can get spot, piss me up, it it goes, Mm -hmm. right? I can be afraid of something. Ooh, shock. Ooh. And then it goes. Dissonance hangs in there until we deal with it. Mm-hmm. And so we have to be aware of when are we not operating in line with our values? When are we not operating in line with who we think we are and what it is we want to do? And so when we know ourselves, we'll feel that feeling. It's not like we just automatically know, oh, well, I'm not going to do those certain things or I'm not going to do that because life isn't like that. We get stuff thrown at us and you pick it up and you start doing it and you pick it up and you start doing it. Like I've been asked, you know, you, you mm-hmm. try to be flexible, but then all of a sudden you're the hamster in the wheel and going, ew, like I'm not resonating with this. Right. So then it takes that step back and go, how did I get here? Oh God. Yeah. Like this is that part of me. And now that I'm thinking that mindfulness moment and starting to reflect on what is it that I'm not liking, then you can go, oh, I got it. I'm starting to operate out of my, who I am, my integrity. I'm operating right. out of my identity. So flashback to my friend that I talked about. Mm-hmm. Her identity was wrapped up in what other people thought about her, mm-hmm. not in who she thought about herself. The other athlete. Right. The other athlete yeah. had, that, that came from my high school. And so when she got into that situation, her identity was wrapped up in this huge, like other people have to give me accolades. I have to meet this certain quota. And so she was devastated because all that got cut off. Right. 
So she was operating out of her integrity, which created that dissonance. And you can't just make it go away until you understand why, right? Yeah. yeah. And so that puts you into a pit of despair. Yeah. You know, but if you understand then that that was external motivation and we don't, that's not the best way to be motivated. We need to shift. We need to be internally motivated, set new standards and goals because well, we went from high school to college and college is a different game and a different everything. We need to reset those things and re figure out what is our identity in this, not Mm -hmm. externally driven, but internally Mm -hmm. driven. Mm -hmm. Then we can, we work with it. And emotion is fluid. We are not our best emotion. We're not our worst emotion, but if we can't name it, we can't deal with it. Yeah. So this and, whole and pause. It it really is about pausing and not letting the flow of life just carry us along. Because too often that's how we wake. Suddenly we we look up, wake up, and say, "Wait a minute, how did I get here? Yeah. And why I, am I here? Why am I? What happened? <laughs> yeah. And and oh my God, how do I get out of this? And right. now we're panicky, and it it just slows our process down. Exactly. Well. Uh, we're we you know what we're at it again we're about to roll into another podcast guys uh, <laughs> but i do want to wrap up just a little bit just so that you pick up a couple tips or a couple things from this conversation because i always want these conversations like we're in a coffee shop and you're sitting onto the side over here and suddenly you hear this wait a minute what the heck are they talking about over there kind of conversation first of all understand what balance and integration is Understand that it really is motivation is really this internal um, guidance system that is that you have to do the inner work first so that you have the success in the world. And too often that what what happens is, is that we just get floating along in the life that you also have to be in line with what motivates you again, inner work. It's about the incremental things, the incremental goals, the incremental things that you do that either propel you towards happiness or slow it down before you can be happy. The last thing I want to tell you is that there's a lot of noise out there that says, you know, here are the 10 steps that you can do. Here are the 10 steps you can do and you will be successful. When in reality, if you take nothing away from this podcast, it always is about you. And the most remarkable lesson that is available to you is that you matter. Goals are not chores. If your goals are like chores, reset them. Um, try to put numbers on in little incremental things, not big numbers, not perfectionism, but little things that give you the incentive. Like, ooh, if I got that done, I get a cookie. Like, ooh, mm-hmm. that was good. Um, the incentives do matter. Again, internal. But if you put too many incentives on a goal, it's going to crush you, just like mm-hmm. my friend. Like she had all these high expectations, not going to get there. Um, Obviously we are talking about intrinsic, definitely, you know, and they should be fun. I think that is one of the greatest things I have really noticed is that people put these goals and it's like, yeah, that's really cool. And you're going to be successful, but it's like, did you have fun getting there? Mm -hmm. No. Mm. Maybe increase some kind of incentive that when you reach this, that you're going to go have fun for yourself. Because I think that's the other part is people forget. What do you love inside and outside of work? What else is Mm -hmm. that fun part? Mm-hmm. As we make progress, because again, if you track it, progress can increase our motivation because we can see we're getting closer, but we have to be careful when we reach a plateau. If we're try- striving for anything, we're going to have like, woo, we got this great progress. And then we're going to reach that plateau that says, oh, no, I got to work a little bit harder in order to get that little incremental better. 
through that middle ground, we have to be better about, again, realistically setting the little micro goals that will help us and to not lose sight of the bigger picture of what it is that we're hoping to get to. Um, the other part and through all this and motivation is learning how to take feedback and advice. Mm. Um, so when people come up and go, oh, no, you're wrong. Like, ooh, do we get defensive or do we have that ability to tune out how something's said or what is said and go, yeah, I do. I need to get better at that mm-hmm. and apply the learning from whatever it is and learn how to take that part of it. And then just to make sure that we've got people around us that help us kind of incentivize and, and, and really have our back and believe in what it is that we're doing because we are social creatures. We have a need to belong and it will make a difference in, I want to say, conquering things and sometimes even conquering them as a team. If nothing else, I'm going to take that last one and know that you belong here and that we are here for you. And with that, you know what I'm going to say. If you liked it, share it. If you didn't like it, share it. Because this podcast, I guarantee, will help you start a conversation that's going to increase your motivation or at least define your motivation and give you a remarkable lesson that you will be able to use to go from inner doing the inner work to the outer success that you always, always want to have. Well, as I said before, this is a wrap. Hey, thank you so much for following me. And if you really, really want to make things better and help me get the word out, please go like this wherever you're listening to your podcast. Follow me on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. All of that's in the show notes. And for doing that, go to my website and click on the uh, network and you'll be able to get some free gifts that will help you figure out how to be the best leader that you can be. As I always say, if you like it, share it. If you don't like it, share it, because I guarantee it will definitely help you become the most remarkable leader you can be.